What does it take to build a home? What does it take to build a home away from home? And what does it take to build a home away from home you cherish so much you would cry if you ever had to give it up? Bienvenue, mon ami. I am Nick. I'm your resident interior designer, a serial expert living currently in my sixth country, and your humble host on this podcast that is all about creating homes that celebrate la joie de vivre. That means celebrating your joy of and your joy for life so that you'll have a place you truly feel you belong to. And this is season three. And this time around, I will be exploring everything concerning the topic of change because we are post-COVID-19. And it's safe to say, life has changed for all of us. And the question is, how have you lived through this massive phase of change? Let's talk about how we can make change work for us. I'll be examining it from all different angles because it's quite complex, n'est-ce pas? And as every season, I'll be inviting some kick-ass guests from all walks of life with all sorts of professional expertise and personal wisdom to tickle the best out of this topic. Welcome back to the Home Worth Having podcast. Listen, this is season three, and it is all about change. In episode one, I gave you my question catalog on how to gather all the necessary info you need in order to face change. And since I'm your project manager, get shit done kind of girl, I made a distinction between before, during, and after the change. If we take change as a project with a process. I don't know, maybe you've heard about Gallup Strengths Assessment before. If not, go and check it out. I have learner input and individualization in my top five, which leads me to gather all the info up front. And I'm German. And there's this German saying, Vorsorge ist besser als Nachsorge, which roughly translates into it's better to prepare than having to heal. Which means let's take more time to prepare well rather than run the risk to be surprised during the project and then stress, get reactive, and end up with a lesser quality result. Then in episodes two and three, my awesome guests came in with their invaluable expertise. When it comes to decision-making before tackling change, I talked to Catherine who helps us to stay level-headed when we're about to make a decision in an emotionally difficult situation. And it's difficult because it's a decision with a point-of-no-return moment. Catherine is my kind of girl because she's all about staying calm and being thorough and strategic, tactically as well as emotionally. And if Catherine helped us to bring the head into the emotion before making a decision, then Sarah, in episode 3, followed and showed us how to take the head out of the process after the decision has been made. Doubting, questioning, stagnating, and procrastinating are products of the brain, which wants to keep us safe and in comfort. And comfort does not work with change. We talked about how our emotions are not problems we need to solve or fix, we can have uncomfortable feelings and still do hard things despite feeling them. 
If following through with action is your pet peeve, then go and check out episode number three. This brings me to today. Today, it's only me, and I'll be narrowing down on one very particular feeling that always comes up during any kind of project that contains change. It's enoughness. Will this be enough? Have I done enough? Am I good or capable enough to get this done? Well, Thanksgiving and the Black Friday weekend have just passed, and now it's the holiday frenzy that's about to start. We're all trying to finish 11 months worth of projects whilst preparing what is for most the biggest events of the year, Christmas and New Year's. And all that in a short time span of four weeks. Hello there, stress. Welcome back to our lives with your last big hooray of the year. Now, I personally am a huge advocate for essentialism. As little as possible, but as much as needed to think well of yourself and feel well in your home. That's my motto. But how can we celebrate enoughness in a season that is traditionally all about more, more, more? How can we celebrate enoughness in a season that is traditionally all about more, 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 and at the same time, for the second time round, embedded in a global social context of lack and restriction and leaving us wanting to double down on the more, more, more. Today, I want to offer you my approach to quote-unquote hacking the holidays. What are the little things you can change to honor your own enoughness during this stressful time? I told you earlier that I have learner individualization and input in my top five strengths. They are all about the more, more, more. The other two in my top five are activator and significance. This is how I filter through all the more that I bring in and then focus down on some selected few. Significance is only happy with my results if it gets us the big wow, the oh's and ah's and the holy crap, this is so cool. My activator wants me, and by extension you, it wants us to get going fast, and the fastest way is if it's easy and feasible. So how does this sound to you? Let's celebrate enoughness through practicing essentialism. And my two main filters for essentialism are significance, answering the question, what is important here? What will bring you the biggest emotional satisfaction? And activator, how can we get the ball rolling or the party started fast, easy, and ideally in a fun way? Because this is, after all, the A Home Worth Having podcast. And I love me a good dose of JDV, joie de vivre. Or for the non-French speakers, joyful life. So, if this is not your first contact with me, you heard me say this before. Your home is not a branding exercise. Branding in marketing was invented to reassure the customer that you, as a service provider or seller, have what it takes to get them what they want. Your home should not be about what they want. It should be about serving you. 
I approach home and interior design from an event design perspective. How can we make your home a shared and memorable moment in time? Now, I could at this point really geek out on the signs of learning and how memories are formed and why we should focus on positive psychology. Believe me, I am the kind of nerd to read books on that. Again, I'm a learner. But since I also intend to wow you and get you going fast and easy, let me just tell you this. There is extensive research being done in consumer behavior and marketing, event design, or specific niches like the travel industry, or on how to make people, and that includes yourself, think well of you and feel satisfied with the experience you provided them with. So without further ado, let's hack this. First thing I want you to do is think of the holidays as an event. And in my example, I'll be talking about Christmas, but please, all other social or religious celebrations will do. And I do not want to discriminate any faith here. Alors, since any event is comprised of a series of moments and each event has millions of moments, and it does not matter if your event is three hours, three days, or three weeks long. In the end, our brain will be very selective with what it wants to store as a memory. It will remember very few specific details and the rest will become all one big blur with a general emotion attached to it. What I mean is this. If you celebrate Christmas, then Christmas is usually the big event everyone looks forward to at the end of the year. And whilst you might remember, for example, what you got or gave as a present last year, with time, it becomes really hard to differentiate the Christmas, let's say, from 2010 versus the one 2013. We'll probably all remember Christmas 2020 because it was particularly weird and weird for everyone. So everyone will talk about that for years to come. But in general, non-pandemic circumstances, all we remember about Christmas is the general feeling of wowness of the event. Any hyped social event like this lives off elevation, which means take what you already have and what you already do and dump a bucket of glitter on top of that. Take your nice home and make it nicer. If it's cozy, then make it cozier. If it's elegant, then make it glamorous. Do you eat? Of course you do. So on Christmas, eat more, eat better, eat more expensive, eat it all. Do you like to laugh? Of course you do. Laugh more, laugh louder, laugh from the belly, ho, ho, ho. Laugh with friends, laugh with family. Even laugh at the inappropriate jokes and comments of Uncle Harry, just because it's Christmas and we are meant to keep the peace. This is elevation, my friend. Maximizing the ordinary to extraordinary standards. You can elevate through boosting sensory appeal, raising the stakes, which means adding the possibility that someone might lose face or add any kind of other perceived risk, or by breaking the script. Christmas in itself is the break from the script of the ordinary year. Elevation is mostly a physical experience. 
But did you know that there are three more areas that our brain likes to scan for before it decides whether or not to classify an experience as a memorable moment? There's pride. Moments of pride show people at their best. It's appreciating someone for who they are and how they do their thing and letting them bring their greatness to the table in order to serve others. Pride is for the ego and it's all about personality. You can boost someone's ego by creating milestones that serve their personality during your holiday event. But in order to make it meaningful, ask yourself, what would fill them up emotionally rather than materialistically? Pride is also the feeling that follows after having practiced courage. You learned a new skill and then you show it off. You practice the piano and then play a piece whilst everyone else is listening to you. That's an example. If you are the main organizer of Christmas for your people, how can you prepare a moment of pride for others? If a moment of pride is to happen during the event, during the holiday, it means it needs to be scripted and practiced up front in order to build confidence in that person. But moments of pride, life and in stereo, are not the only ones that can bring joy. Think about moments past. Maybe moments past with people past. Nostalgia does not always have to be sad. Go back in time, this year or even further down. Recognize, see, and celebrate others on the most personal level. Elevation, pride, insight. Engineer moments of insight for your people. Yes, mind blows can be constructed. More often than not, they just happen to happen. Just see my bonus episode on wine stains that my father-in-law taught me. It's the wisest thing he ever said to me, and I bet if I was to tell him that, he wouldn't even remember that he said it. Moments of insight can be positive or negative. They are the twist in the plot you did not see coming. So, how do you engineer them? Well, they are a common known fact painted in a new light at a surprise moment. Take something ordinary a person does and tell them or show them why it's meaningful to you. And in order to hit the mark, you need to know the truth you want to share up front. The point you want to make needs to be crystal clear and then hide that truth, but lay clues for them to pick it up. Yes, sometimes you need to make them own their own strength, but you can also tell them what you think they're best at and how stepping up to the plate, taking the responsibility to get it done, will add value to you and everyone involved in this event. Think especially of those people that usually do not get asked, rather than the ones that are already knee-deep in the trenches and helping out. Moments of insight make people trip over an old truth, painted in a new light, and then stretches their mind because they never saw it like this and it takes some getting used to to seeing it this way. Moments of insight are moments of the brain. A cognitive experience. So think about it. <laughs> think about it in advance. 
no pun intended here, but I'm still amused. Okay, elevation, pride, inside, we're missing connection. If moments of pride are about the individual, then moments of connection are about the shared experience of the collective. And even though it's about the many, the team, it's about your specific team, your family, and it's highly personal. It's the hardest theme to grasp and define in general terms. It's the longest to design when I work with my clients, and there's no way that I can just give it justice in a few sentences in a single podcast episode. But let me try anyways. Connection happens over shared meaning, shared values. For connection to happen, we need to have defined the purpose and let everybody involved take ownership of that purpose and taking ownership over bringing that purpose to life. It's that famous saying, there is no I in team, but it's all about you and me. The reason why connection doesn't happen over Christmas could be because we overemphasize elevation and sensory appeal. If Christmas becomes all about the more, 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 it won't bring us closer to the people because that's elevation. And elevation is all about the physical experience of the individual. Connection does not come wrapped in fancy papers, perfumed or bathed in glitter. On the contrary, connection always comes bare naked, feels often awkward and uncomfortable, but is also honest and unarmed. And it's the realest, intangible thing you'll ever get to experience. Connection happens and deepens our ties when we try to understand, even though we have not experienced, that other person's truth ourselves. When we validate the other person, whether we agree or understand or don't. And it happens when we can show that we care. I know it sounds heavy, but if you can take one thing away from this, try to make connection an exercise. Understand, validate, care. You do not need to agree or take it upon yourself to do or believe the same thing as the other person you want to connect with. Just understand, validate, care. And let that stand like that, unwrapped, unglittered, unglorified. Whew. This is honestly taking longer than I thought it would. We are now, what, 20 minutes into this podcast, and I still have not told you about my second hack. Okay, I told you in the beginning of this episode that I'm the project manager kind of person that likes to have a process, likes to wow you, and likes to make things easy, right? So my significant strength and I hope we wowed you by breaking down what makes our brain filter whether an experience is worth remembering or not. Elevation, pride, insight, and connection are the quality filters of the what. Combine any two of those, elevation, pride, insight, or connection, any two or more at the same time, and chances are more than good that your holiday will be remembered and remembered well. Now, let me introduce you to my 
activate our strength and show you how we can bring ease and feasibility into this whole spiel. So the holidays are an event that I want you to think of as dividable into three phases or containing three milestones or cornerstones. If you cover and add quality to only those three and then let the rest be average, you're golden. Especially if you apply those principles over and over again each holiday season. They'll compound in effectiveness for you because shit gets easier each time you practice them. And for the others because they'll get to experience your ease over and over again. And people with ease and grace in a stressful time are just so damn attractive and trustworthy. So, cornerstone number one, make the beginning easy for everyone. Big events come loaded with big expectations and mighty anticipation. So in order to not run the risk of blowing the fuse right at the beginning, make the beginning easy. And easy means easy, normal, not extraordinary. Don't overwhelm people right upon arrival. Make arriving easy for them. If you have low-demand people who need to wind down, let them do that without demanding them to participate straight away. If you have high-demand people who want you to be there and available for them straight away, block that time out in advance. Make arrival easy for them as well as easy for you. If you're the one running the show, you need to be mindful of your energy for the entire event, not just at the beginning. And if you are the one arriving at someone else's house, be an easy guest. You know your people best. If they are stressed, don't be another thing they need to manage. Either stay out of their way or jump into helping mode. Let them do what they do best and help in a way that caters to your strength. And this is a cornerstone because just think of your last travel or the last big event you went to. The journey to the destination is physically straining and emotionally, well, stuff is building up. And if the check-in process at the airport or the hotel is complicated or overwhelming, people get tense. Your mood drops and you instantly go into defense mode looking for another shoe to drop. Great. What else will suck? That's not how you want your event to start. Cornerstone number two. Have a highlight. One highlight. One highlight that comes easy to you. One highlight that makes you shine in the best light. Drop the other shit. It's okay if the rest is just average. My husband and I, for example, are foodies. I'm a real good cook and he's a brilliant pâtissier, a pastry chef. When people come to our house, they know they will eat well. And since we like food and preparing it, it's the thing we like to challenge ourselves with each year. Remember, if it's a strength, it's not stressful work. 
it's a bring it on kind of game. Even if one thing doesn't turn out as great as we hoped for, it's just one thing. The rest of the meal is still so much better than what people usually eat. And that's not arrogance. Saying you're good or great in one thing does not take away light from other people being great at other things. Think of it this way. If you own, honor, and use your strength, you become the expert. And experts are the reliable people. If you're the expert in, well, cooking, people do not worry about that part. It's taken care of. No one comes to our house expecting to be entertained through music or elaborate games or God knows what. We're the foodies. At our house, you eat. Full stop. The reason why this is a cornerstone. Theme parks, for example, like to wow their people each step of the way. There is an attraction on each corner. But when guests are asked to leave a review afterwards, they all sound more or less like, well, like this. Oh, there were so many great things, but the absolute highlight was... And then fill in the blank. And if you ask them weeks or months later about that experience, they will mention their highlight first. And the rest they'll mention, well, it's a general feeling they associate that experience with. But they really have to search for other details in their memory because it has not been stored in such amount of detail as that one thing that was the highlight. So make that fact about human brains in memory forming your ally. Have one highlight. One. One highlight that comes easy to you. One highlight that makes you shine in the best light. Drop the other shit. It's okay if the rest is just average. Be the reliable one when it comes to your strength. Last but not least, cornerstone number three. The end. End on the high. Coming back to all research on events, the travel industry, the amusement parks, which are basically just event design you have to travel to. Well, when people remember it badly, it's statistically outweighing everything. The beginning was already bad, and then there was no highlight or even a pit instead of a peak moment. When they remember it well and recommend the experience, they remember the highlight and how it ended on a good note. Use that info. The end does not need to be another highlight. It just needs to be good. That's why people give gift bags at the end of promotion events or at the end of kids' birthday parties. You can do that. Give gifts if that is what you're good at. But that's once more elevation. It's sensory boost of the individual. How do you add any of the other three, pride, inside connection, to make the end special? Again, special, good, not highlight. Can you give a personal compliment to somebody on how you appreciate them stepping up during your event? Can you go back to a moment of vulnerable connection and make them feel understood, validated, and cared about? 
what needs to happen for this to end on a good note while still coming easy to you. Think about them, but stay within integrity with yourself. I wish you enough, my friend. Until next week, au revoir, c'est Nicole.